This episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 331, for the week of Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. I'm John, and with me tonight are... Adam. And Eddie. This episode is being brought to you by the fine folks over at Audible, Mike's Comics and Stuff, and of course, ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our amazing toys of the week are the Mego Chekhov, the SH Figuart Super Sailor Venus, and the Revoltech Amazing Yamaguchi Batman. Well, howdy guys. It's been a while. Um, glad to, glad to say hi to my good friends, Adam and Eddie. How y'all doing? I'm excited. All right. Well, Eddie's ex- Everything excited. Everything excited. Yeah. I was going to say excited sounds exciting. So we better go with that. What's going on, Eddie? What are you excited about? Well, I'm excited to be podcasting with you. I know you've been on, um, some recent episodes, but they were unfortunately episodes that I couldn't be on. So it feels like ages since we've been on an episode together. And I love talking toys with you. So I'm excited. I appreciate it. And, and you almost did a vintage one the last time I heard your voice. So I, I was excited. Mm. You were almost to the vintage age of toy. Do you, do you realize that? It was, yeah. That? It was, it was close. Was that, what one was that? Um, pitch black. Oh, is that on pitch? Yeah, because it's got to be a years yeah. vintage, right? Yeah, but that was two thousand. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, twenty eighteen. It's almost there, man. Yeah, it's getting there. Wow. Years and all the toys you love will be vintage, Eddie. Yeah. And then we'll yeah get new pitch black classics figures. All that run. Well, we we can only hope, right? Yep. I don't have any of those. I don't have any of those. You know, I, I, you got me thinking though about Suncoast back then because, uh, uh, I used to get a lot of figures at Suncoast, like the Sideshow Monty Python stuff. And, um, I've got some alias figures and a lot of my Muppets came from Suncoast. So, uh, you got me thinking about that. So that's right. So, well, that, that's cool. I'm glad you're excited. I'm excited. So Adam, are you excited? Heaps. What's what's been going um, what's been going on in Adam World? Not a lot, really. Just a lot of running and uh, going to work, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. Is is the but, is the body all healed up, and you're, you're you're happy with how you're running? Or yeah, it seems to be quite cool. a little bit stiff. So I started to run off, and it's sore, but it comes good after a kilometer or so, and. Uh, so that's good, and if everything holds together and I keep going at my current rate, I will get to 1,500 kilometers by the end of the year for the year, which will be, I'll be, up, yeah, cool. yeah, I'll be at a record at the end of next week with 1,000 kilometers, so 1,500 is my kind of goal from the start of the year, so if I get there, that's awesome. Wow. Yep. That is impressive. I'd be happy if I walked that much. Yeah, I don't walk anymore. I don't bother. <laughs> Yeah, how does it say? He goes. He goes right from uh, running to a scooter. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. How about you, John? 
Um, I've been good. I've been good. It's just been a lot of a lot of craziness going on at work. So, um, you know, work and summer's over. And um, my mom and dad had their fiftieth anniversary here a few weeks ago, so I went to the state of Kentucky mm. for that. So yeah, it's just you know normal summer stuff kind of finished off and heading into. Well, congratulations to Pop and Mum Nerd. Yeah, they they were excited. Um. You know, getting ready to head into, and Ben's going to love this. We're getting ready to head into fall here, so <laughs> I had to get that in there. But no, pretty much just the regular, regular stuff. Trying to keep two two puppies under control and you know, the normal. Which reminds yeah. me that I got to take them to the vet for shots one of these days. So <laughs> now you guys are cool. now you guys are heading into like spring, right? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know it by the weather in my town in Melbourne. It's uh, actually it's of uh, our state today, which uh, isn't that common generally in winter in some areas that the snow hit, let alone uh, in spring. So uh, it's it's spring in theory. Yeah. Yeah, we had hail in Adelaide. Not surprising that you got snow. Yeah, we um exceptionally weird, like, couple of weeks weather-wise because we had, like, 89, 90 degree weather one week, and then the next week it was like in the 50s overnight, and would only got up during the day, which is which is a shock to the mm. system. <laughs> yeah, and now it's back up like 80. I um have a good day though. I do need to give a shout out to Madman Entertainment here, uh, who invited me along to an anime festival convention uh, today, and uh, actually had a very good time despite the weather, um, howling and rain. It's uh, I I felt kind of bad because Adam, our anime guy, uh, on the show, but uh, it was the Melbourne one. Uh, so I, I figured he wouldn't be making the long trip uh, out. So I uh, went along and it was actually really cool. There was actually a good smile. Uh, the Figma company actually had some exhibits mm. and some exclusives going on. Uh, they also got some of the Bandai exclusives from Comic-Con this year and had them out. So it was actually a really decent uh, Japanese collecting uh, figure show and a lot of just even local vendors and that had some uh, good stuff out for cheap like Nendroids that were normally uh, it was actually a very interesting show I felt bad I didn't know who half the characters were that people were dressed up and walking around but uh, I did uh, get to meet uh, the voice of Vegeta Christopher Sabat and see his panel where he did a version of his character Vegeta as if he's in the world of Pokemon uh, and then they talked about My Hero Academia a lot that I'm not too familiar with, but uh, people in the audience seem to like it. So uh, a big thank you to Madman for that. Cool. Well, well, that'll bring me to my next question. Did you buy anything there? And have you bought anything else recently? I did. I, I was tossing up between whether or not I wanted to get uh, the Figma... Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess Link, because I'd gotten uh, all the other uh, links that Figma have done. And I was like, oh, I, I do want it. And because it's their direct store, it's actually much cheaper than you would normally find it here by probably about $50. Uh, but then they also had this Dragon Ball Z Dragon Stars Goku set uh, that I was looking at and like, oh, that's... Uh, 
that could be good and it's uh, really cheap as well and I don't know <laughs> if I'll see that again. So uh, which one do you reckon I went with? I reckon you went with Zelda. And, uh, I'll, I'll skip my coffee this week and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and be a good boy elsewhere with my budget. So yeah, I did uh, end up walking away with both of them. And apart from the box sets that they've been doing, uh, a local retailer here, Zing, decided to just put them all up at once, mm. uh, basically in one day. So uh, I'd luckily been picking up some of them over time here, so I didn't need that many. Uh, but the Iron Man 3 one that comes with the Trevor Slattery Mandarin, that's actually a really great figure. And uh, the Red Skull uh, sort of army builder, and the Thor 2 with uh, Sif. Uh, so it's yeah. been a fairly big uh, Marvel Legend week here. Is Do you know, is the um, Luke Cage part of that, or is that just a, a two-pack for Netflix? No, that's just its own separate yeah. uh, two-pack one. That's that's not part of the uh, tenth one, which weirdly, I got that one ages ago. And then uh, we're talking on the San Diego one. They announced it at San Diego, and I was like, I've, I've had this on my shelf for probably about two to three months at this point. That there, I know this is going to be a spoiler, but I cannot remember why does she have blue hands? Uh, it's just like latex gloves for the nursing stuff. Oh, good, because in the pictures I've seen, they're so small you can't really tell. Yeah, and, and it's and just they, these blue hands, and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> They literally are just sort of the hand model painted blue, so it's not like they have little divots at the end or that to help. Yeah. It's just more of one. But, um, that yeah, sense, that, that's been throwing a lot of people. And also uh, I've seen a lot of people really confused about the claw hands from the Iron Fist uh, series. and that, that's, I, re- I remembered that because I remembered her training. Well, I think a lot of people sort of skipped that first Iron Fist series. Uh, so uh, they they multiple hands in this set that go with Claire seem to be confusing people. Yeah. But which uh, side note, I actually thought the second series was a lot better than uh, the first. They sort of made improvements on uh, all the areas people sort of had faults with on that first one. So if you did skip out on the first, it might be worth returning for the second. I will second that. I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, the cool. ending's a little little weird. They they did the same thing they did in Luke Cage where the last five minutes you're like, What? <laughs> I see I, I was uh that that is a I I won't say which, but it uh it's a reference to a certain story that is fantastic. So I it's out out of all of them I, I'm I was very happy to see what happened. I, I knew it was a reference, but like, uh, Mrs. Nerd didn't. So for her watching it, it was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could definitely say it, man. Yeah. You know, if you're not, if you don't know that, it's like, yeah, it's yep. just kind of an odd, but, um, yeah, no, it was good. I, I, I liked it. Um, and, and they just jumped right in with a fight right up front that looked really good. So I, I was just glad about that too. So Adam. Yeah. Have have you been making any purchases of anime or anime related things? Um, I reckon apart from online orders with Big Bad Toy Store, not so much. I'm trying to think. Um, slash have a look at uh, orders in the past thirty days. There you go. 
so I did order the Figure Arts Mr. Satan um, pre-order, and I have purchased the SDCC 2015, which I didn't realise had happened, um, Super Sailor Moon imposter version. Uh, so that's cool. And the other thing that I found, which is really awesome, and I'll drop a link for you guys, is this Dragon Base accessory, um, which is essentially a light-up um, flame effect with rock kind of base, so it'll look good with, um, like, Dragon Ball Z figures or something like that. And I've ordered two of them, so I'm hoping that turns out to be really awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is cool. So it's a bit pricey, though. Yeah. That, that yeah, cool. but there's no such thing as buyer's remorse, only didn't buy remorse. That's what I said. Uh, oh, no, there is. Hmm. Having purchased a Ford automobile in the past, yeah, no, there's definitely buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only thing they have. I meant in the world of collecting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've wanted the, um, the figure arts, uh, stone base like that, you know, the impact base for a while. I just never get around to ordering it when I see it. Um, and, yeah. I, and I have the flames, but that's kind of cool if it lights up. That's that's a neat idea. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting that one and see how we go with it. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I I um I recently got in a box from uh, HLJ and at the same time I had a box come in from Entertainment Earth and I don't know how you do that pile of loot thing because I, I was just overwhelmed. <laughs> just <laughs> I got too much stuff, and I was like, I don't know what to do with all this. Yeah, I normally over it, go through, see what's in it, put it back in the box until I've got time to actually set out figures, and uh, there it sits for months on end. Yeah, I kind of I kind of rationed myself. Okay, I'm going to open one thing today and one thing tomorrow, and there's actually one thing, yeah, one thing I haven't. You opened. guys are too good. I'm like a kid on Christmas when I get large box orders in i just like spray them all out on the lounge room floor and open them all at once and then i sort of forget what i've opened and then it's like oh yeah i did also have this in this box and i've opened it and played with it a bit but then i put it down got distracted by this over here and yeah well, yeah i love it one of the cool things i got i got um uh i'm gonna i butcher his japanese name but they they call him daddy eyeball from uh gay 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 no kataro um and he's been on pre-order for a while. So if you haven't seen okay. him, he's a, um, basically he's a, about a four inch character in the show. And, uh, he's just a big eyeball on a, on a body <laughs> and, and, and he's Kataro's father. So there we are, Ben, that's an orb, uh, custom for you <laughs> right there. Yeah. He, he almost looks like he has a little kid's body. It's kind of weird and it's naked. So <laughs> yeah. Um, cool show. Different. Yeah, it, it's different. And and I hadn't watched the show when, when I pre-ordered it. It was just like, I don't know what that is, but that's pretty cool. So <laughs> He's actually got like a little, um, in the show, he actually uh, has to stay moisturized. So at night, he takes a little bath in a um, like a teacup, like has a little chip out of it. And they give you one of those and you can take his feet off and pop them in one end and then his upper body pops in the other end of the bowl and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cool so <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll probably review him coming up sometime but um i will say the box did not make the the like 
where the box was glued together, the glue didn't hold. So the box is just like kind of hanging around the, the tray inside. So I was a little disappointed in that, but mm. yeah. Hey. But anyway, you know, that's kind of getting into a review. So maybe we should move on and do some reviews. What do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. All right. From out of this world, into yours comes Voltron, defender of the universe. It's the biggest Voltron yet. The motorized giant commander. Batteries not included. You're in control. Command him to advance or turn in reverse. Prepare for battle. Move him out. Defeat the enemy and make the universe into your backyard. Name again. The motorized Voltron giant commander new from LJN. Well, you know, you guys come and listen to the reviews because that's what we do. And, uh, you know, I always like to hear Adam's reviews because he always does these cool Japanese things. And uh, Scotty doesn't like to list off the names. But, you know, we don't have any Super Saiyans or Saiyans or, you know, any weird names this week. But I'm going to let Adam introduce his own toy. And it's over to you, Adam. Thanks, John. Well, that said, we do still have a Super in the name of this figure. It is the SH Figure Arts Super Sailor Venus, uh, so this is produced by Bandai, and is in the Sailor Moon line, which is a huge surprise, I'm sure, to everyone who saw or heard the, the Sailor there in the name. Um, so this is Minako Aino in her Super Sailor Venus getup, which apparently, according to the, um, the literature that comes with this, is from the it's from one of the movies, the most recent movie. Um, I think it'd be the uh, su- what is it? Super Sailor Moon Super S of the movie. So that would be, I assume, one of the most recent movies. Um, and realistically, it's very very similar to the other Super Sailor Scouts that I've reviewed to date, in that it's. Um, Almost the same in a lot of ways as the original Sailor Venus figure in terms of the sculpt. Uh, there are a few little details that have changed, and the accessories are otherwise significantly different. So, um, a bit more information about this one. It is a 2018 release, which is when I've uh, managed to get mine. It went for about $55 US at release, and I think it's still going for that in most places, which is good for anyone that's still after it. Um, it comes in the usual figure arts packaging. So for the Sailor Moon line, that's a little bit different to some of the other lines like the Dragon Ball Z line where you get the wraparound uh, display box. This is just a front window with uh, pictures of Sailor Venus on it that's kind of gone through one of those cartoonify or uh, comicify filters. The other sides show different poses you can achieve with the figure. The back has a collection of the different portraits and showing the different effect parts that you can use with this. So that's really cool. You open it up, you have the usual uh, lovely bright coloured card at the back, hiding a selection of instructions on how to use your dolly, which in this case I had a quick look at. There are a few things that I found were useful which are around some of the accessories. Um, it also shows you the various different hands that there are, but you can already see those if you've got the figure. So the figure comes in two tray sections. There's the front tray, which holds the figure with a cover over that. That stacks neatly on top of the back tray, which has the effect parts in it. Um, and behind the 
effect parts, there is the little sealed bag with a figure stand, um, which for the Sailor's uh, Scout figures, for those that have not heard a uh, review of these before, they basically must have a figure stand in use or you have to be happy to lean your figure against something. The feet that they have are remarkably narrow. They have generally got fairly big booty hair and they do not hold their um, poses well if you're trying to pose them in detailed fashion. It also helps um, the figure stand with the effect parts being used to show off uh, some of Sailor Venus's wonderful manoeuvres that she's got. So Sailor Venus herself, being a long blonde-haired teen, has blonde hair. It has uh, segmented sections off to the side of the main bulk of her hair so you can... um, splay her hair out a bit more so it looks like there's a bit of an updraft if you really wanted to do you could do stupid things like have hair coming around the front and um or trying to cover her face if you really want to try and push it i don't know that'll work very well the hair is also um uh, a bit of a liability in that if you want to try and test out the full range of posability and uh, articulation on this figure you'll notice that it fails the Elaine Bennis test because her hair prevents her head from kicking back at a ridiculous angle. It's fine for going forward, though. That's actually the only uh, thing that stops her from having uh, the Elaine Bennis test pass. So she's got a big kind of reddish-pinkish bow on the back of her head that is not articulated, it does not move, please don't attempt it. If you get into the portrait swapping, her bangs come off, then her face plate comes out. You swap in a different face plate and pop the bangs back on. No problems. Uh, Moving further down the figure, she has a ball joint on the top of her neck that plugs into the top of her neck and the base of her head. The neck peg... I don't think... Uh, the neck, I assume, has some level of articulation at the base, but it, it's very stiff in there, and I'm not going to try and force it. She has the um, butterfly-type shoulder system, which is really cool. This is where, around this area, is where some of the other changes from this figure start. So in the original figure, the choker, I believe, from memory, was just the orange choker with probably just a, a little... Um, Probably a stud or a heart. I'll just try and bring up the original figure. Uh, and while we do that, I'll keep talking. Uh, in this one, it's a gold star. So that's different. And then you get into the the um, sleeves, so the top of the sleeves of her uh, school uniform. And where the original figure just had the um, essentially straight fabric Sleeve. This has the straight fabric look sleeve with the extra little translucent cuff, which is what's happened to date with all of the um, the Super Scouts. So that's just what happens to their outfits as they go through the Super Transformation. Um, then we go a bit further down. We get to the bow on her chest, and that used to have just a um, big gold um, stud kind of circly thing there. It's now a love heart, uh, and I have checked, and she did used to have just an orange choker with no no embellishment on it, so that's the difference there. Um, she has articulation at the elbows that are just discs. That's no different. Uh, she has a ball-jointed wrist, and she has 
a uh, top of torso and bottom of no, just top of torso. I think articulation. No, she has top and bottom. Um, at the bottom though, her uh, join is covered by the top of her skirt, and that's the first real complaint that I have um, with this figure. And it's the same complaint I've had with all of the Super Sailor Scouts in that the the white is not just a straight white; it's like a <clears throat> excuse me, a slightly pearlescent white. And that doesn't really work when you then try and apply it over, say, a metallic orange um, piece of rubbery plastic uh, for the skirt. And the orange shows through, and it shows through quite badly. It's even worse when you look at the top because they haven't gone and painted um, on the inside of the skirt, just around the, the waistband point. So you can clearly see the orange from the skirt there. So that's go for it. I'm kind of surprised that's not a separate piece. You know, it the waistband part. Yeah, the white. Yeah, I mean, the, it's the same thing has happened all the way through the super line. The same thing happened through the plain Sailor Moon, but uh, then it was just white on top of orange, so it wasn't quite as bad. Um, but yeah, this just does not work and you're probably right they probably should have just cast that as a separate um piece and then attached the two together yeah um it yeah it's just frustrating that it's happened every time and they are not learning or they don't care um but that's their choice um the skirt itself is actually segmented in two pieces to some extent, like the, the waistband is one continuous piece, but the actual skirt um, segments at both the left and right, so the, the pleats of the skirt don't restrict the legs going side to side, which is really quite good. So if you want to get a, a good splits going on, you can do that. Uh, if you want to look up her skirt, you can do that too, and she'll, you'll see that she's got the same pearlescent white uh, panties. So that's, you know... <laughs> Naughty, naughty, but uh, there you go. Someone uh, out there was wondering and you just made... I've just saved them. Like, if they were going, yeah. man, I hope she's wearing a red thong. Well, yeah. they're, they're now disappointed and know they have to do some customization. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure... That's um, part of being a toy journalist, you, you've, you've just got to gotta find out. I'm sure they're going to be painting Correct. clothes on her. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it would be. Yep. Um, confident. Immensely confident. Um. The other thing around the skirt line that's different from the original, the original had the um, the yellow bow. It's kind of a two-tiered job. The new version, much like the rest of the Super Sailor Scouts, has the yellow bow that's a single tier and uh, then kind of flaps out into these uh, two, what would you call those, like tassely bits. Um, they are, ooh, I think they are articulated. Yes, they are articulated. So they will move. Um and they're kind of cast in the same translucently pearlescent look uh, material as the shoulder cuffs are, and then they have a little bit of yellow blended out from the bow downwards until it fades to nothing, so that's a nice little look. The legs are just legs in terms of, yeah, they've got a, a disjointed knee, but there's nothing special, uh, and the ankles are just a straight ball joint, so there's not a lot of excitement to be had there. Uh, for those that have seen such things before. So overall, it's a solid start to the figure. There's some pain-up issues. 
Um, moving on to the accessories. The accessories are a fair bit different from the first time around. So I can't remember how many faceplates we had first time around. This time we have the one that is equipped, which is a fairly neutral, big, shiny eyes, small little smile, a um, little bit of uh, blush line on the cheeks. The other options are a big, shiny eyes looking off to the left with a open, shouty mouth. There is a big, shiny right eye, winking left eye, happy smile face. And there is big, shiny eyes, open, happy mouth, and extreme blush on the cheeks, which is actually quite nice because it's not that often you get to have a, a figure that can blush. Um, so if you've been holding out for years to have a figure that can blush, you now have one. You know, um, I one of the things I got was a, a model kit from... Uh, uh, what was it? Gundam Build Fighters. And it's the, the Super Fumina, which is like a, almost a character. She has a face like this. And there were two little stickers in there. And I was like, looking at them, like, what are those? And they're not in the instruction sheet anywhere. Um, but they're actually the little red lines for her cheeks. If you want to make her blushing, you know, that's something that I, I didn't used to understand about. I've, I've been watching a lot of anime here the last couple of months and. Now I'm finally starting to get, oh, those little red lines, that's blushing. And the, you know, the blue lines behind a character, they're sad or distressed. And I'm finally starting to be able to understand those on site and not have to think about it. And um, so that's kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing, the other accessories we have here, there is the, what is it, some kind of crystal change rod. Uh, yes, I'm exactly correct. So there's the crystal change rod. I think we had one of those with the last figure. I'm not sure if the design has changed at all. Um, in terms of hands, well, the, the hands mine came equipped with a kind of, um, fingers slightly splayed, uh, kind of neutrally hands. There are two punchy hands, which is unsurprising. There are fingers totally splayed hands. There are kind of sorcery finger hands. So think Dr. Strange, um, there is a hand for gripping the change rod. There is a um, pretty much a, a gun finger, pistol finger um, hand. And there is another hand, which is just the, um, it's almost a kung fu grip. So it's the uh, finger straight out, thumb kind of up and cocked a bit. Hmm. So those are the, the main swap outs you get for Sailor Venus herself, which is a little bit limited compared to last time. So last time there was the um, the swap out plate face plate that had the the glasses on it, um, which is a callback to Sailor V, which is what Sailor Venus was before Sailor Moon showed up as the first Sailor Scout. Um, the other thing that was really cool about the first one that we don't get here is it came with uh, an Artemis, and that is her little white cat. So that is no longer available. What you do get instead, along with a figure stand, is you get the two attack pieces. There is the Love Me Chain effect, and there is the Venus Love and Beauty Shock Pet effect. Now, the Venus uh, Love and Beauty Shock Pet effect is actually probably really quite cheap to produce because it's essentially just a piece of plastic, so a strip of plastic with gold love hearts printed on it uh, that you can stick together there's a little clip uh, that you sit in the back so that it holds it kind of in shape, holds it together, and then you can clip that onto the top of a figure stand, which is kind of cool. Um, does mean that you 
uh, losing some of your figure stand ability to hold Venus herself, but that's there, and you can sit Venus inside that, and it looks like she's doing her attack. Your other option is the um, the Love Me Chain effect, and that one is three segments of um, decreasing-sized love hearts pressed out of essentially acrylic, uh, and then they've got a little bit of etching in them, and that wraps around. If you put all three pieces together, it wraps around in a spiral, which is cool, and you can sit Venus inside that, and you also need the figure stand to hold that piece up um, while you have Venus standing inside it. And so, yeah, that comes in three segments, has little, um, a little prong at the end of two of the segments that clip into a little slot at the end of the other two. Uh, and I quite like that one. I think that's a really good effect part. So this is similar to how we had, like, the, the Mandala effect on... Uh, that would have been Mars, I think it was. Um, so some really great uses of um, simple things to get a, an attack effect here. It's not a big chunky piece like it would have been if it was a Dragon Ball Z thing. Um, but it really works, and I really quite like it. I w- As I said, I, oh, go, John. I will say that that shock effect, you got to have the right background for it, because the pictures where, where they show it um, are on, like, a red and yellow background, and you can't really see it, what it is. You can see the plastic strip, but it's hard to pick out the hearts. You'd almost need the right yeah. background for it to display her again. Yeah, you'd probably do better if it was, like, a dark blue or a purpley-black kind of color, yeah. I would have thought. yeah. Which is yeah, I, I think some of the yeah the um kind of promotional shots are not doing it justice. Yeah. yeah. Um. So overall, I think you know it's a pretty good figure. It's um a bit disappointing that it's a sec- essentially a second go around, and we don't really seem to have changed a lot about the figure. It has the same paint app issues that we've had with all of the um super series of Sailor Moon figures. Um, personally, having the first edition, I'm not super cut up about not getting another um, Artemis. Um, I can absolutely understand that those that did not get the original would be quite upset knowing that they missed out on that. Uh, so, you know, there, there's pros and cons. Um, and I think realistically... If this line were to continue onwards, and I kind of hope that it doesn't for the sake of my um, my desire not to continue doubling up on the same characters and my uh, my bank balance, um, I would think that if they're going to do another line of these, they really need to start thinking about those pain issues. They're becoming a nuisance. Um, they're something that they've had all along, and they really just need to look at fixing it on this line. Uh, so overall, for me, I would suggest that this is probably about a seven out of ten. I think that's fair. I I really mm. like the the effect parts, though. I that 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 might be worth the price of admission for some people. I would think. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the real change up for those that you know have the original. It's worth getting if you wanted the effect parts. Now, are those attacks specific to her, or could you use those with just about anybody? those are Sailor Venus attacks. Um, If you found someone in some other franchise that had similar attacks, you would be set to go. Now, this might be the inner Ben uh, talking through me here, uh, but I'm not too familiar with Sailor Moon. Are there, like, characters that you're... Um, you would like to see them still get around to, or have they sort of done the main bulk now that they're revisiting the other ones in these movie form? 
So I think unless they decided that they were going to go ahead and do a whole bunch of the villains, they've basically covered all the heroes, really. Like, they've covered all the Sailor Scouts. They've covered the inner Sailor Scouts, so the main ones now twice. Um, this is actually the third version of Minako that we've had because we also had a Super Sailor V version. Mm. Um, so, well, not Super Sailor V, a Sailor V. So, yeah, I think the only way they could go again without just redoing the same things would be if they decided to go and do like a, a manga version of these um, characters because in the original manga they look significantly different. So for a start, they're all kind of a bit more skinny and drawn out a bit and their faces are a little bit kind of more, a bit longer and a bit more horse-faced, um, to put it kind of the way that I would call it. Um, yeah, so I think I think they're basically done as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah. Of course, every time you've said that, they've came out with something, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there we go. I've just cursed everyone, and we have more to come, I'm sure. No, oh, I'm sure. But they don't seem to be lighting up on this. Yeah. And I I get, so, I get got so excited. I saw one of these in uh, oh, Barnes & Noble, and I was like, oh, I should get that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I talking about? Having never watched the yeah, show, I mean, yeah. Well, that doesn't stop me. I think I've proven that, but... It's like, Adam's always talking about those. He says good things. I should get that. You guys are ruining yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start up a, a GoFundMe for, for Eddie and John's one. Yeah, yes, that one for me, if you want. That's, that's, I, I'm not going to complain. Someone wants to buy me stuff. If if they were going to pick another anime, Adam, what what would you want to collect figure arts for? That's a really oh, good, good question. question. I mean, we've already got Rama, but I don't know if that's going to go much longer. Any Yasha, maybe... Uh, oh, Bubblegum Crisis. Hmm. I, that one, um, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that. So I think Revoltech did a series early thousands, so that's like, you know, 15 plus years old, and those things go for ridiculous money. Yeah. Like ridiculous, ridiculous money, and they were only like, they were some weird scale, like four and a half inch or something. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that hasn't came around. Yeah. you see that. I mean, 20... Um, Tokyo 2040 um, version of Bubblegum Cross is now close to 20 years old, so... What about you, Eddie? Just saying. I, I was actually thinking this the other day, and I was trying to, like, when I'd think of ones, there'd be, you know, a sort of another company that would be doing it, like, one piece. I know Figure Arts did one piece for a little bit, but now they... Um, seem to have moved the license elsewhere. But I was thinking for something that's so iconic to anime that doesn't really seem to get the highly articulated figure love is Akira. Mm. And I'd like to see figure arts tackle them. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd be good. I think someone did an Akira, uh, sorry, a Tetsuo, didn't they? Well, McFarlane did a series um, way back. And mm. they, they look okay. Um, cause they did, you know, Tetsuo, Akira, his bike, I want to say one other character, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh the clown. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but I, and somebody recently did like a 12 inch Akira, I want to say, but yeah, I figure yeah. that would sell. That would sell. Um, 
I think the other one, I think someone's actually, that I thought of that someone's actually, I mean, Figma did a, um, a Kenshin from a Roni Kenshin, um, which would be oh, pretty good as well. Not an anime, but I would like to see Figure Arts do uh, some Chrono Trigger characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would love that as well. Cool. I, mm. I've been re-watching Food Wars because I, I watched it all the way through and so I started it over. Um, I, I would like to see some characters from that, but if they're listening. At least the main couple. <laughs> um, because they've done like... Get on a band. Yeah, they've done like some just figures, you know, like static figures. I think they're like... Yep. I don't know what size they are, but then uh, Nendroid's doing one of the characters, uh, doing Megumi coming out in the spring. And I'd, I'd love, although that looks good for her, but I'd like to see, you know, like a regular figure arts treatment for some of the main characters. That'd be cool. Hmm. Anyway, now that I've, I've totally distracted us, we should probably move on and maybe, uh, do another review because Adam did a great job on this one. So I'm going to ruin it all with the next one. Okay. Back, yeah. back after this. Yeah. Turn on it's the Joker attacking Whoa. the Imagine X transforming Batcave. Quick, lock the door. Turn the power pad. We'll activate the transformation. Wow. Bring it on, Whoa. Joker. Missed. Quick, up the elevator. Turn the power pad. Unlock the flight suit. And get the drop <laughs> on the Joker. Welcome back, yeah. Joker. Imagine X transforming Batcave comes as shown. Other toys sold separately. Imagine X. Well, you know, um... There, there's the one child in every family that just kind of has to take his own path and, you know, sometimes ruin things, sometimes make them cool, sometimes ruin them. And then, um, and, uh, the, our child that does that is Eddie. So Eddie, take it away. I've really missed your intros. Uh, yes, it is my turn. And, uh, we are actually recording this on International Batman Day. So, uh, I thought it would be fitting to pull out a Batman figure to review. And it just so happens uh, that I recently got in a Batman figure that uh, I figured when I ordered it, either way, it was going to be an interesting review. And when I got it out of the box, I was not disappointed uh, with my assumption at all. And this is the Revoltec Amazing Yamaguchi Batman. So uh, I have talked about a couple of these in the past. Uh, I have been collecting all their Marvel ones that they have been doing up until recently when they started doing variants of ones that had already come out, like the X-Force Deadpool, uh, but still each new uh, character I've been getting, and this is their first step into the DC line. Now, I haven't had a chance to pull out my Marvel boxes and have a look, but this one is actually listed as number nine in the series. So it seems like they are following through uh, with the sort of just as a superhero line. So if you're a number completionist like Ben, uh, you were just planning on getting the DC ones, this might throw you uh, for a little bit of a loop. Uh, the box design is almost identical to the style that they use on the Marvel Yamaguchi. So if you've seen that, uh, it's kind of this 
crazy hodgepodge of uh, figure art plus random images taken from the comics. So uh, there's literally images from uh, Gotham by Gaslight, the Jim Lee, Batman, uh, ones from uh, Nightfall, uh, Flashpoint, which isn't even the Bruce Wayne Batman, it's the Thomas Wayne Batman are just uh, littered uh, throughout the box and then images of the figure also overlaid on top. Uh, they have done what they've done previously, which is insert sort of little Easter eggs on the flaps of the box uh, that has some uh, quotes and they've also put quoted word balloons uh, around different of the figures to give it a comic book look. But I don't know how well things sort of went in translation because there's some interesting quotes here for Batman. So on the right side of the box, the quote they've decided to put on here is, the only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. Uh, which... <laughs> Uh, I I don't know where they really get the Batman feel with that, but uh, that's <laughs> one they went with. And on the opposite side, it's whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stronger, which I guess you could stretch that being into Batman, but isn't really another quote I, w I would put with Batman. Uh, but where it gets really interesting is these word balloon ones that they've done on the back where they have him proclaiming that he is the I'm God Dawn Batman. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know if that was a misspelling of Goddamn or if they were worried that Goddamn might be a bit of a curse word and sort of changed the word uh, around. Uh, he's also got one that's apparently interrogating a guy with tell me everything you know and a tempting offer, but I think I will manage. I assume he might be talking to Robin in uh, that word balloon, but there's no real context to give it much sense. Uh, but my favorite one is an image of Batman swinging in from above with the word balloon snacks at this hour question mark. Uh, so, uh, I don't know who's choosing the quotes, uh, for this box, but, uh, I would really like to know what was going on in their head at the time, or if they've literally just pulled, uh, Batman quotes at random from a book without realizing quite what they were, <laughs> uh, saying there. But, uh, I've definitely gotten a great deal of love out of snacks, uh, at this hour. Uh, but I, the I Oh, yeah. I always associate Batman with snacks, so I I don't know. I... Is that because of the uh, Batman Forever trailer of I'll Get Drive Through that played everywhere in 1995? Uh, was that Batman Forever or was that? Oh yeah, that was. And then he didn't. He he did a Pepsi commercial for uh, the second one, didn't he? They did a Michael I, I think, Keaton. I one. think there was a. I believe there was a Batman McDonald's commercial for both the yeah. second and the third, because that was part of the problem with the Tim Burton version. Was that like, oh, you're selling Happy Meal toys, and then the film itself has Danny DeVito biting people on the nose? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I digress. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. That could be a whole topic unto itself is uh, Batman Happy Meal toys. I think I've still got a bunch hidden around. I, I, uh, but, I only um, have the little penguin one. 
Yeah, the little pen topper. No, the penguin uh, car with the spinning umbrella on the front. That's the only one I have. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Uh, so the actual figure himself, uh, it's sort of a self-designed Batman. He's not really exactly like any comic book version, but it does seem to borrow heavily uh, from the new got knee pads, and there is a little bit of line work uh, going on in the costume. The bat itself on his chest uh, is a little bit weird. It's actually raised. It's a, um inserted piece of plastic that's glued on, and it's kind of the more modern uh, Tom King Batman bat design, but it's got a really big head, and there's not a large part of its uh, what would be actually the tail of the bat uh, that normally pokes out low. It, it almost runs flat along the bottom there. So it's not a bat symbol design that we've really seen before. And uh, obviously being Revoltech, uh the big standout here is going to be the articulation. Uh, now, reviewing Revoltech, it's... It's just something you're either going to accept or not. Uh, it is very different from uh, any other action figures, uh, particularly like with the Marvel ones that I've talked about before. So uh, I'm not going to cover that in great detail because I would assume by now most people have seen a Revoltech figure and they have their feelings on it uh, one way or another. So accepting that that's just a side of Revoltech. Uh, I'm going to look at how well it does the Revoltech uh, style. Uh, so the actual base body uh, is uh, pretty much if you've got the Captain America or the Wolverine, it's very much that style of buck. So he's got the more newer hip style articulation that has the swivels like uh, I think they started with Venom. Uh, using that in the superhero line and uh, like Venom he's also got the cut up torso on the top so you've got swivels where the shoulder blades would actually be that you can move the arms up and down now because of a large piece of glued in plastic on the back that's the beginning of the cape you can't really move it back too far but you can bring uh, the shoulders forwards using that swivel Pretty much all the other joints, though, are the Revoltech ball joints, so two pegs on a ball that have uh, the swivels, and it does mean that this base buck body is heavily articulated, so you can get hit in lots of posing. Probably the only real pose you can't get him in a satisfactory way is just a neutral standing pose. There's always sort of a little bit of weird angles that his limbs are jutting in and you can't sort of have his arms just straight down. But uh, I am kind of okay with this because this is, you know, one of hundreds of Batman figures released even just in the last decade. So if you want a neutral standing Batman, you've got lots of options there. But uh, I was trying to think, and I don't believe there's really been that many super articulated Batman figures. I mean, even the DC Classics ones, uh, while a lot of articulation, they're not 
uh, even close to ones like Marvel Legends and other ones out there. So I know there have been some. There was uh, that sort of Microman Japanese figure and a couple of other ones that have uh, come out. But uh, it, for all the Batman figures we get, it isn't a super uh, packed field when it comes to hyper-articulation. And uh, it could be possible that this figure has the most articulation out of any Batman figure ever released. And the reason being is he doesn't have a soft goods cape at all. Uh, he's got a heavily articulated cape. Uh, I, I would suggest if you haven't seen this figure looking up images, because it's going to be uh, hard to explain, but... Uh, I mentioned before there's a hard piece of plastic that's the beginning of his cape coming out of his back, and that has peg holes in it where you can then connect in lots of different cape pieces that you get with this figure. Now, I actually didn't realize how many cape pieces this figure was going to come with because in all the preview images uh, you'd seen of it, they only show you a handful of them. Uh, there's about uh, eight or so uh, when they're sort of showing off his accessories and what he comes with. Uh, but he actually comes with multiple of these different sized pieces of cape that have different peg holes in them. And it becomes a bit uh, almost like Lego construction. You can have uh, an infinite amount an in- uh, infinite amount of varying ways in which you can display and connect together uh, this cape and then articulate it and pose it around. So uh, just for the cape itself, he comes with four pieces of what I'm referring to as the top part of the cape, uh, which is the smallest piece. It's sort of a little triangle on its side. Uh, you've got six pieces of the middle part, of the cape, which is the medium-sized piece, and you've also got six pieces of what would be the bottom part of the cape and where you get it uh, sort of a bit more uh, ratted and spiky and coming off uh, the ends, like the end of the bat wings. And, yeah, so six pieces of uh, them, plus there's also two pieces uh, that work as the shoulder uh, wraparound ones. And... Particularly the top two uh, pieces actually have multiple peg holes in them, so you can choose whereabouts on the cape you're going to plug and insert the next piece in. Uh, If you want to, you can plug the bottom bits uh, up near the top, or you can plug uh, a top section into a bottom section, or you could have three midsections connected together and then uh, one bottom one for long, one long streamer of cape. And then all these connection points are also uh, have a ball joint in the middle of them that you can then twist and turn around. Uh, now, <laughs> this does make for an interesting figure. And this was something that I absolutely hated when I got this Batman out of the package because, uh, well, for one, uh, much like the Super Saiyan 3 Goku, uh, it actually took a while to get used to without hurting uh, my hand because uh, all these capes pieces are very thin and sharp and it's quite easily 
to stab your fingers as you're trying to move things around. Uh, but also trying to get the cape to look good was just really hard and it just looked almost like it was skeletal fingers coming out and uh, there's lots of gaps where you can see light coming through and it didn't really feel like a cape at all and I was trying to figure out which pieces went where and not having much luck but uh, playing around with him for a bit probably took me about 20 to 30 minutes and I started to get him in positions that I I really liked and I, I was starting to get used to like, okay, this piece looks really good connected with this piece or uh, if I connect this piece on a point behind but angle it up this way, then uh, it will create sort of a cape piece behind that will block the light uh, coming through while the pieces in front actually make for a nicer design. And the more and more I played with it, the more I started to get used to it and what this cape piece was doing. And I did start to enjoy the figure and he's posing a lot more. So uh, much like a lot of the other Revoltex when we've talked about it, it is a pose figure that's going to very much depend on the angle that you're planning on looking at him uh, from. He's not going to be a figure that works 360 degrees. You sort of want to pick an angle uh, that you're going to have him on, on your shelf and try to pose the cape around how it's going to look uh, from that perspective. Uh, and then if you're going to turn him around look at him from the back side, it's it's not going to look anywhere near as good, but then you can pose the cape around, fix it up, and make it look really good from the back. Uh, but then as you turn around to the front, it's not going to look as good again. But the more you, I found that I was playing around with him, uh, the more fun I started to have. He became a bit like a Rubik's Cube or a puzzle or uh, just a little bit of art. And I've probably spent more time with him than most figures uh, that I get in just having him on my uh, lounge room table, just constantly picking up, reposing around, finding a new position. Is he going to be crouching? Is he going to be jumping out or down? Uh, I actually really enjoyed finding images online that other people had done that I thought was really cool and trying to reverse engineer the way that they created that image and try and work out what combination of pieces and how they had them arranged uh, to get that look. And he's actually been uh, a really wonderful piece uh, to play with and get a lot of time and use out of. And part of my favorite way of playing around with him are two other cape pieces that I didn't mention earlier uh, because they're also extra hand pieces. And it's something I haven't really seen on a Batman figure before. Uh, so you do get multiple hands. Uh, you've got sort of the punching hands. You've got uh, the uh, grapple gun uh, pistol finger hands. You've got the outstretched hands. And then you've got these almost drop things, but I think they've all stayed in the tray. Uh, you've got these other hands that uh, these new type ones that are a grabbing of a piece of cape hand. Uh, so it's sort of this little strip of material coming out over a closed 
fist hand. Uh, but in the back of the material, there is a peg hold that you can then insert one of the Revoltech joints and start connecting more pieces of cape to, just like uh, would be coming out of the cape on his back. So you can then start posing him as if he's grabbed the cape and sort of holding it up to his face in sort of that Dracula vampire pose or uh, the posed image that's uh, often on a lot of artwork for the animated series. You can have him grabbing both pieces and bringing his cape forward down uh, upon a criminal. And I got a lot of great variety and posing out of using this uh, grabbing of his cape and and, uh, swishing it around or bringing it forward or uh, using it to jump in the air and spread it out uh, like a hang glider. And I really love that piece. And it's something that I've never seen on a Batman figure before and just created a new variety of life to him and the ability to add the cape pieces into it and bring it around and then you can sort of pose it so it hides and looks like it's connecting into the cape or coming out of uh, the cape piece on the back and just create that illusion of depth is actually wonderful. Uh, he does come with some other accessories as well. So in terms of his body, he's also got a swappable uh, face plate. Uh, so he's got a neutral uh, mouth and he's got a gritted teeth growling mouth. Now the sculpt work on the head and these face plates is good. Uh, it's kind of slightly uh, bigger pointed ears than average. Uh, a very kind of Jim Lee looking face with the uh, pointed nose. A uh, little bit of ears you can see under the mask. A bit of a grimace going on, but you can see that there's wrinkles and a real face uh, underneath it. A uh, little bit of washing to bring out the skin tone, sort of reminiscent of the early Metzko uh, era day stuff. Now, one thing I didn't realize was his head, unlike a lot of other Revoltex, isn't really meant to be removable. Uh, it's not on the same joint as the other Revoltex heads. Uh, you're meant to just swap out uh, the faceplate by pulling out his jaw and putting the next one in. So be careful of doing that because I did it. And then it was very painful trying to pop the head back on when you have his bat ears digging into your thumb. Uh, I don't recommend it. Uh, in terms of gadgets, he comes with three. So he's got his grapple gun uh, in its unfired uh, manner, and then he also has a grapple gun that has uh, the rope coming out that's actually a hard plastic sort of shooting in an exact straight line, and then the grapple uh, at the end. This is probably my favourite of the accessory because you can get some great... Uh, shots of him just having fired uh, the grapple or pulling him up in the air. Or if you take your camera phone and aim it quite right, you can hide the grapple and it looks like it is connected onto the building and dragging him through the air. And, of course, being a Batman figure, he also comes with a Batarang that is sculpted so it can be held very nicely in the trigger finger uh, hands there as well. Uh, so I have actually, for someone who hated this figure when I first got it out of the box, uh, he has managed to win me over. Uh, but this is just something for my personal tastes. Uh, 
obviously everyone's going to vary a great deal. I've seen a lot of people uh, really despise this cape, and I can't blame them for that. It is definitely something out of the ordinary. Uh, if this was the only Batman figure we had ever gotten, uh, I could definitely understand a lot of frustration, but... You know, for the 700th Batman figure, I, I actually really enjoy having something new and a figure that can get in a lot of different positions than the other figures uh, that I have of this character on my shelf can't do. And I think that's where he really excels is that he is different. He is unique. But uh, like a lot of these Revoltex, it's going to depend on how you feel about the joints and the looks uh, that come for it. But uh, if you want a figure that's going to actually challenge you in a way that a lot of figures don't uh, challenge you, uh, this is definitely a great one to pick up and grab. So I, I'm probably going to have to give this guy uh, 8 dollars out of 10. He can be frustrating. It is weird to say about an action figure you've got to give him like half an hour of practice and time and train yourself up to him to get used to he's not going to be a figure that you can just grab out of the packet and sort of stand on your shelf uh, and the other annoying thing it's not a huge fault of the figure it's just a bit of a personal complaint is uh, because the cape is is often so huge and has these jutting out pieces. He actually takes up a fair bit of shelf space. Uh, so the figure is just kind of your basic six-inch figure. Uh, but any way you're posing it, you often have these big streams of cape coming out. So uh, he can have it angled up and he can be upwards of a 12-inch figure and he can also jut out side to side to almost 14 inches uh, wingspan-wise. Uh, so he takes up a fair bit of a toy shelf uh reality uh which can be a uh, bit of a problem if you own as many figures as i do so he's probably going to spend uh most of his life in the box unfortunately when i don't have him out playing and posing so uh yeah i think eight dollars out of ten how, how tall is he compared to like a marvel legend uh, you'd actually stand pretty much comparable with Marvel Legend. I just oh, okay. got the uh, Reed Richards next to me. So, yeah, he's almost just a tiny bit taller head-to-head with a Marvel Legend. And then you've got oh, the ears uh, above that. But, yeah, probably only um, three millimeters taller. Okay. Yeah, I, I probably fall in the don't like the cape. Um, just because it looks jagged and ripped, depending on how you have it, I, I'm, I don't know. Um, it 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 definitely is jagged. It reminds me a lot of. Uh, I remember Todd McFarlane. I think when do, he was doing press for the Spawn movie, and he was talking about creating the character, and he said he wanted to give it that a, a type of cape that looked like if you walked into him, it would hurt. And I kept thinking about it that uh, with this figure is that, uh, yeah, this cape would hurt you if it came on you. It's not going to feel comfortable. I, I was going to say, this looks like a spawn cape to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, if you customed a spawn figure with that cape, it'd be awesome. And it would look perfect with it, I think. 
But yeah, no, a spawn figure with this type of design would be really fantastic, actually. I, I think for me, and this is the thing more than the price point that keeps me out of this line, is that you do, even when you get it in the right poses, you have that, it seems like you have that problem that the early Marvel Legends had where they were super-duper articulated, but sometimes they just look fucking ugly. Like, it, and it's and it's just the joints, because in trying to get that level of articulation, you just have this, like, looking at some of the Spider-Mans that people have got, and they've got fantastic poses, but you've just got this gap between the hip and the torso, and it, it just throws me every time. It definitely can be the case. I tend to find um, you can cover that stuff with your posing you can get it in some interesting ways but you got to spend a lot of time doing it and then getting a camera just right to get that good photo in that i often uh, even myself don't have the patience uh with and it's not always possible uh, but there can be ways around some of that gappages and uh, even like the mid torso because the uh, torso crunch is basically uh, on the inside two Revoltec ball joints plugged in and then basically the abs is like a barrel that goes over the top. So if you're moving uh, the upper part of his torso over but haven't moved that sort of barrel of abs, you can get a big gap, but uh, you can sort of play with that and lift it up a little bit and then uh, like on some of them, the belts have articulated pieces that you can then slightly move up and cover those gaps. Uh, So there are things thought of to try and help with that. Uh, but it doesn't always work. You can't always get the camera in the exact right angle to block that, and you'd need to almost go back to the beginning and start again uh, with all the posing. So you are often left with images, uh, like you said, that unfortunately uh, do have those gappages, which is a huge problem uh, with this guy because there is just so much gappages on the cape. Unfortunately... And I don't know if it was something considered and it just uh, blocked uh, the way you could move the cape, but it would have been good if these pieces of cape were actually designed better so they could slot in more easily to one another without those gappages, whether you sort of cut room for the ball joint to move around. So uh, it was in there, but uh, you could still sit the cape in flushed and would only have uh, the gappage if you had it particularly at a straight right angle or uh, whatnot. But uh, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. yeah. This this looks like one of those figures that you would take a picture of and then look at the side and be like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know I've had that. I mean, I could appreciate it. I can appreciate the engineering in it. it it's just not for me. Yeah. And that that's where I think this figure's really going to uh, come down to, uh, is that... Uh, like the joints, it's something you know going in. So you've probably made up your mind on the joints yeah. before you even purchase this guy. Uh, and if you are purchasing him, you're purchasing him knowing that it's going to have these joints, but you're going to be able to do these things that uh, you can't do uh, with another uh, action figure. And I, I think that's for me is where I, I really like these Revoltec 
guys is that I can uh, get them into positions and posings that I don't have with my Marvel Legends. And there's a huge difference uh, on my shelf. Uh, if you look at my Marvel Legends shelf, they're pretty much all just standing at attention in a straight upright position because there are just so many Marvel Legends figures that come out. <laughs> I just don't have uh, the shelf space to have them posed, whereas my Revoltech shelf, uh, they're all sort of spanned out in interesting poses or like Carnage is just has every little tendril that you can possibly plug into him is coming off and expanding out. Deadpool's upside down, Wolverine's jumping through the air, Spider-Man shooting webs, uh, and that's what I sort of enjoy uh, a lot about these figures. I, I could see this guy looking good suspended, you know, from from the ceiling. Yeah, he, he definitely is a great one to have. I was trying to find a shelf space where I could even potentially have him up high, kind of jumping out over mm-hmm. the shelf or even uh, kind of a gargoyle piece that I could connect up. Like there was one that came with the original uh, movie Spider-Man of whether I could get him on that in sort of a crouch position with the cape sort of drooping down over the sides of the gargoyle. Uh, But I haven't quite worked out the best way uh, I'm going to display him just yet. If I do, as I said, he will probably, uh, just because the amount of real estate he takes up, um, he will probably end up in a box. (laughs) Well, Thank you for that, Eddie. And I think, you know, we'll take a little break here and we will come right back and uh, do another review. That's right. Three people. Three. <gasps> Vintage. It's Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk from the Elastic Superhero Collection. I can beat that. You can tie them in a tangle and see how they unwrangle. You can stretch the legs and arms. It won't do any harm. Watch this. Elastic Spider-Man and Hulk. Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, each sold separately from the Elastic Superhero Collection by Mego. Well, we are wrapping things up in that way where we aren't really wrapping up. We're cutting to another segment. And this time, it'll be John taking us through our third Toy of the Week. So over to you, John. Well, thank you for that, sir. I much appreciate it. And, um... You guys like know I like vintage stuff, and when Miko was at SDCC, they're like, "Hey, or was it was it SDCC or uh, the big Migo meet? I think it was the Migo meet, wasn't it? That they announced they were coming back. Um, so they kind of got in a association with Target, and they're making uh, new Miko figures. And if you guys don't remember, Miko figures are those cloth costumed." Uh, figures that came around in the seventies and they were like, you know, you could have Captain America and Spider-Man fighting, you know, the Joker kind of thing, but they were all like quote unquote dolls bodies. And one of their most popular lines was actually Star Trek because we hadn't had any Star Trek action figures. Um, and, and I really kind of consider this the, um, basis of modern action figures. Yeah, I know G.I. Joe's out there, but more of a 12 inch. And this is starting to get a little smaller where you can have some accessories and some play sets. And, uh, you know, I think that's what Mego really, really added to the, the action figure world. So, um, I, I've got a lot of respect for him. I had a lot of Mego figures as a kid and, um, you know, I had mostly superheroes. Um, you know, I had Spider-Man, Batman, Robin, Superman, um, did have uh long john silver the pirate 
which I may have to get again one of these days. And then uh, I also had a Action Jackson. So I had a variety, but I did not have any of the Star Trek ones. And when Miko came back, they said, well, we're going to do some Star Trek ones. And they announced in the first announcement kind of that they were doing Sulu and Chekhov, who never had figures in the original line. Now, for me, this kind of appeals because, you know, some vintage figures, when you see a like a modern take on them, hey, we're going to do a modern, you know, if they did a modern, uh, say, figures from Dragnet, it, it would look odd because the technology didn't really exist, you know, for those black and white shows. Sometimes I have that feeling that modern figures don't look right for older properties. And since these were the original Star Trek figures, quote unquote, um, it, it's just cool to see. And the style, I think, fits for that that era. And, you know, it, it fits with the, the vintage original Trek. So I actually picked up Sulu because um, when I first saw him, there was like five Chekhov's on the shelf and I think two Sulu's. So I, uh, I went ahead and picked up uh, Sulu first and I didn't open him and... I, I kind of had fear of missing out um, syndrome like Scotty gets. And so I went back to next week and I got check off mainly because I, I, I wanted to make sure I at least got him and, and Sulu. Um, it's also kind of my way of limiting. Uh, there's a couple like the Fonz and uh, uh, some of the uh, other ones I like uh, Charlie's Angels. I think that would be a, a neat one to collect. But um, I think I'm going to limit myself to the Trek ones just to basically keep myself from buying all of them. Um, maybe the monster ones, if they, they come out with a mummy, I will get that, but I digress. Um, so I, I decided to get the Trek ones and, uh, the first one I opened was Chekhov and, uh, they come on a blister card like the originals did. Um, interestingly enough, uh, this blister card, it kind of has a retro feel, but the original ones, uh, came on a card that had like painted, faces and they're they're using pictures here it definitely looks like a a 70s card and i th i think that you know stylistically it's okay but it would have been neat to see him actually go back and do more of a reproduction type card but i i, I get it i i you know i'm i'm neither here nor there uh one other difference is it i said it's a blister card it's more of a modern blister where the figure's actually in a tray in a blister um if i remember right and this is going on, you know, brain cells that are way too old at this point. Um, the original blisters were just, you know, empty blisters and, uh, you know, the figure would just be in there and, uh, hanging on. So, uh, one thing you'll note is this is Chekhov and, uh, Chekhov has his yellow shirt and I, I had to look to make sure the sleeves were correct and, and they are, he does not have any bands rank insignia on the cuffs. So, hmm. um, you know, that's kind of cool. Uh, he, uh, has a big collar and the thing that threw me off the face, there's something with the face and none of the Mego faces are, are dead on, you know, and I, I, I'm glad they, they went with that because you got to figure they could almost do that, you know, really kind of close face, but they, they've kept all of these figures kind of in that Mego, not quite perfect, um, uh, head sculpt. And this one actually has the Chekhov hair that's parted on the side and kind of over. It's, it's not the, the beetle wig that, uh, that I think Chekhov's known for. And I think I would have rather have seen that hairstyle because I think that's what's really throwing me off is he's kind of got like just this, you know, 
parted on the side haircut. So I think for me, it's the neck. He seems to have, at least in the image that I'm looking at, a very thick neck that gives him sort of a very wide shoulder, burly kind of look that, uh, Chekhov didn't really. It's, it's funny you say that because when I'm familiar with Migos and the ones I had at least were, were more of what they call a type one body and the type one body, I don't think was as heroic. Um, if you feel under his shirt, and, and you really can't see it in the picture, but he's definitely got pectorals and he's got abs. The ones that I had were more, I'm not going to say they're dad bod because they're not really overweight, but they're, th- that chest piece is smoother. And, and this one's just a little wider. And I, I think it hurts for, for a character like Chekhov, who's not, not known for being like a big muscled character. This would probably work really well for a Batman or a Superman, but it, it, they almost needed a different body style for him to, um, mm you know, be a little thinner um, because Chekhov wasn't a big guy in the series. He, you know, he was young guy and he, he, you know, he almost, he, he looked, you know, not like muscular. So um, that, that's probably with the figure, that's probably my number one kind of, you know, Hey, this, this doesn't seem right. Um, I did look and they offered Trek figures on both a type one and a type two body. And the type two had the abs. I, don't have a type two body Mego. I only actually own one vintage Mego right now. And that is a, um, Dr. Zayas and Dr. Zayas is more on that, that type one body. So he's a little thinner. Um, like you said, the neck looks a little thick and I think that plays into the way the collar looks on his, on his uniform top. Um, that's actually a separate black piece of fabric and, and I cannot get it to sit right. I'm sure that if I, played with some starch and some steam and stuff. I could probably get it set right, but I, I haven't bothered to do that um, yet. So uh, in addition to the, the uniform shirt, um, his costume is a pair of pants. So they got little cuffs at the bottom and the original, they did something they did on the original Migos, which I wasn't sure they were going to do. Um, the, the knee is on these figures is basically a hinge joint and the figure from the knee down is the boots. So, when you see a Star Trek Mego um, naked, they, they always have their boots on. And, and that's one of the ways you can tell, you know, if you've got really an original Mego um, uh, body or not for Star Trek, because they, uh, they have the black boots. And, you know, if you, if you ever see a Mego for sale, a Star Trek Mego for sale, you know, with the Spock head and, uh, you know, bare feet, you can, you can tell somebody switched out some stuff somewhere along the way. Oh. Um so what happens is those pants only come down to a little bit past the knee, but it's all black, that piece. So if it raises up over the boot, you know, when you're posing him, it, it really isn't a big issue because um, it just floats over top of the boot and it's still black under there. So you, you really can't see anything that's that's too um, distracting, at least. Um, you know, overall, I... <laughs> You were talking about posing, and I, I got thinking about it. And and and, and Chekhov, you're kind of giving me those kind of kind of issues because, you know, he's got wrist articulation that you know it's it's a hinge joint and a, a pivot joint, so you've got plenty of wrist articulation. He's got hinged knees. Um, the shoulders and hips are both on. Um, they're all kind of strung together on a like a rubber band. So that's how, that's how Migos were jointed. And, and this one is the same way, but, um, you know, I haven't posed a figure like that in a long time. So trying to get him to hold poses that I want, it can be a little difficult. Um, 
I just need to get him out and probably play with him some. And uh, I, I probably will take Sulu out maybe even later today and, and get to two of them together. And that, that might help. You know, sometimes when you have two of them, you can go, oh, okay, I want to pose them like this and this. And, um, you know, you can take some pictures and stuff. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty basic figure. Um, I will say from what I remember, his clothes seem to be a little higher quality fabric. And, um, the stitching and stuff seems to be a little higher quality than what I remember from the original Mego, which is good because I think everybody really wanted that. Um, you know, I, it, it's not obviously tailored like a, a 112 collective figure. Um, it's, it's definitely a little, it's, it's made in Amigo style. I suspect, um, I know Dr. Migo was involved in this and he, he's been involved in some reproductions and stuff. Um, it, you know, these are probably taken from original patterns or something, you know, or at least close as they could get to it. But the, the fabrics are nice and, and they feel like they're quality compared to, like I said, some of the, the other vintage Migos I've seen. I will say that for some reason, he seems to be about a half a head shorter than Dr. Zayas that I have. And I don't know if that's a problem with my Zayas or a problem with him. Um, I don't have any, like I said, the vintage Trek figures, so I, I can't you know, put him next to a, a vintage Kirk to know for sure. Um, not that that's a problem with Chekhov because, you know, he was a younger guy and I, I think that would be okay. Um, so I, I, I don't have a problem with that. It'd just be, uh, an interesting thing to see. Now, um, he does come with some accessories and he comes with four. He comes with a belt and then a tricorder, a communicator and a phaser. They are all molded in like an off pale baby blue kind of um the the tricorder's on a strap and actually goes over his shoulder and that um in the package he's shown with it over his the strap over his right shoulder and then the tricorder kind of hangs down on his left side um what i don't like is when you start to try and pose him then that tricorder hmm. that tricorder cord um comes up and it, it it starts to get under the the little label they used for the insignia and, and I'm kind of worried that if you had that on there long term, um, it would, it would mess up the corners of that, that, you know, Trek emblem. So, um, I've actually reversed that on mine. Uh, not all of the, the vintage, uh, Trek figures came with a tricorder. Kirk didn't come with a tricorder, for example. Um, so it's kind of odd. I think that the Chekhov did. Um, I guess he did kind of use one from now and every now and then. Um, Sulu came with one as well. So I don't know if they're just trying to include all the accessories, um, but they, they do here. Um, it's got like a, it's got some detail on the face and the back's kind of hollowed out so he can get his hand on it. Um, it, it's okay. It's an okay piece. Um, it's definitely a vintage reproduction. So, you know, don't expect modern quality out of it. There's no paint. <laughs> um, the communicator, uh, is a little odder yet because it's a little black piece of, or black, I'm sorry, it's blue piece of, of square, almost smartphone looking piece. Um, it does not open. It does not have a, you know, gold cover on it with a black base. So, um, it looks a little odd when he's, he's talking into it, you know, cause you don't have the little thing flipped up, but I mean, it, it matches. So, um, I guess I wouldn't have any complaints there. And then the phaser, you know, is, is obviously their, their go-to weapon and it's, it's a type two phaser. So. Um, it looks pretty good. I, I don't have any complaints with it as well. It, again, it's a reproduction piece, so, um, it, it, it looks like it should. There's a little band holding it on into the belt, and both the phaser and the communicator fit in the belt, cool. which 
is probably the one accessory I don't like is the belt. Um, it's probably true to the vintage version, but what happens is it's got like just a, almost like a twist tie connection in the back and it wants to, you can even see it in the picture. It wants to kind of spring out away mm-hmm. from him and it's too big for his waist. So you get this like loop kind of, you know, if you took the, um, you guys have plastic milk jugs where it's got like a little screw tap and then you got like a little ring left on it. It's got like yep. that little ring. It, that's what it looks like when it's on him. It's like he's got a milk jug ring around his waist <laughs> that's kind of pushing out the shirt. Um, it would have been nice maybe if that was a piece of fabric or just a little bit shorter. Um, so I'm going to play with the the little rubber band that came with his phaser and see if I can get that in a little tighter. Um, I kind of had to play with his shirt in the back to kind of get it to look right from the front um, with that belt. Now, he looks really good from the front, from the back. His pants look good, but his shirt is uh, open about three quarters of the way down and has one snap at the top. So, you know, you can see the middle of his back uh, and, and he does not look like a, a modern figure at all from the back. I mean, you can if you're familiar with Migos, you kind of know what I'm talking about. He's he's definitely got some openings back there to, uh, you know, not the most well tailored shirt. So, again, <laughs> don't expect uh 112 collective tailoring here, although the, the quality of the fabric, like I said, is nice. So, so there, there's some ups and downs. Um, you know, it, it's a hard one for me because they've, they've obviously reproduced the vintage Mego Star Trek look. And, and I think for that, he's perfect. You know, I'd give him, give him a nine out of 10 because I don't, still don't think the face sculpt's probably a hundred percent what it should be. Um, you know, as a as a modern figure, though, I mean, you know, he's going to be down in that that six range just because, you know, we don't see figures with rubber bands on them anymore. We don't see, you know, shirts that are open in the back where you can't display a, a figure 360 degrees. So, you know, I Eddie, probably not the figure for you. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of our listeners that remember Migos and remember them fondly and um you know, this, this definitely, it'll, it'll tug at those heartstrings and, um, we'll, we'll get you, you know. I, I know I'm through Twisted Toy Fair, yeah. uh, theater, which, uh, you know, it might seem like I'm young, that that's where I know Migos from, but then there's probably another generation that that makes me seem old because I remember Toy Fair magazine. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, um, they, I recently, like two days ago saw that they had pictures of a Gorn up. So um, we're going to get a Gorn and I believe Mr. Spock is coming, which means they're not only doing figures they didn't do, but they're maybe going to redo some of the old ones. So I'm kind of excited for that. Um, I had been considering over the last couple of years, maybe starting a Mego collection of, uh, of Trek and, you know, maybe some planet, more planet of the apes. Um, so this kind of makes me happy because I will probably just stick with these, you know, because of the, the, the quality. One thing I didn't note is, um, the quality of the plastic overall seems better. He seems heavier than my Dr. Zayas. So I don't know if that's, you know, the body type or what, but the, the plastic seems a lot more solid. Like he has more weight to him overall than my Dr. Zayas. So, um, I'm kind of happy about that. Kind of happy about that. Like I said, the quality seems better, but they got definitely the vintage look. Um, the Gorn, uh, do you, did you know they did an original Mego Gorn, Eddie? You probably didn't. 
Uh, isn't it like nothing like the actual Gorn? It's actually a lizard head on a Klingon uniform. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's brown. The The one they're going to come out with, though, is an actual... It's a proper Gorn. It's a proper screen Gorn, yeah. With the little disco Aww. outfit on. So, neat green body. So, that'll be cool. Did they ever, like, retcon in Star Trek? Like, uh, someone's like, oh, wasn't there a brown Gorn once? And they're I, like, oh, we, we never talk about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um <laughs> I, somebody was talking the other day about the Gorn turning up, and I don't think I've ever seen any episodes where they turn up. Um, so I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't think they ever turned up in that form. If they did, it was probably on the animated series, if anywhere. I could see that. Oh, so. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a that's how That was actually the first Star Trek I watched. I didn't realize it was a live-action show for a long time. Uh, from... And I, I saw like the like because it was on at like five thirty in the morning in the nineties here, so I was never up that early on us that day, apart from a couple of rare occasions. But the two episodes I saw was like the you know secret origin of Spock and the Tribbles one. So I it kind you of was the best of them. Then. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of like out of all. So then when things like Tribbles and that got mentioned later, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. I've seen that one and that. And you know, our oh, Spock and he's a Vulcan, and Vulcans are like this. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I know that. So this must be what Star Trek is. Like, I, I clearly know all the stuff that. Yeah, it was years later till I found out it was a live action. <laughs> <laughs> it it oh. kind of is a neat segue into one of the other questions: is do we have a one twelfth scale um, collection of Quattro Triticale to go with uh, Chekhov? Um. You would hope, but you got to remember these aren't even one twelve. They're actually a little taller than a one twelve figure. They're like fourteen inch or something, right? Um, no, they're more like eight. Okay. Because I want to say my one twelve Punisher kind of comes up to his shoulder. Okay. So it's it's, it's an odd oh. scale. Yeah. Hmm. Now what what I haven't what I haven't had a chance to do is I actually have a one twelve collective um, mirror Spock. It's a long story. Um, it's the only one I have. Um, I got him at a really good price and I haven't put him next to one of these yet, but he's, he's going to be smaller. It's, it'll be some interesting mm. pictures when I finally get around to that. Mm. But yeah, Adam, did you have any Migos? Were, were you, or did you miss that era as well? I have a feeling that, uh, one of my grandmas had some Migos in their house. Um, there was definitely a dress upable Spider Man. Mm. and someone else. Um, so, like, I, I was familiar with the format. Um, I just kind of went, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool that you have, you know, action figures wearing clothes. And I went, but it kind of looks a bit rubbish. Oh, well. And then we never had any of our own, so that was fine. Yeah. See, I... I, the one thing that, and, and Eddie, you as a universe builder will, will love this. I mean, because you had Marvel and DC figures in the same line, essentially, you, you could have the weirdest. I, I never for a long time knew which characters were Marvel and which were DC. Well, this was actually, it was a conversation I was having at the comic book store 
recently where we were talking about the old Mego superhero ad that they talked about Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and the Hulk and just like that idea today of even a company advertising both Marvel and DC characters at the same time just is so foreign a concept now. Yeah, I mean, my Batman and Super or Spider-Man used to hang out, you know, like all the time together, you know, and, and fight crime. It's just, it's just kind of weird, you know. Mm. And and I had one of the weirdest of the Mego um, superhero pieces. It's called the Super Vader, and basically you would put a character on a string and a little harness. They had Velcro gloves on, and you would slide them down this string into this little pop up thing, and they would steal some secret villain plans. The villain's face would pop up on a little card, and then you'd slide them back away, and the thing would spin them around so they were facing the right direction. <laughs> Yeah. And now we have the Xbox. Yeah, it, it was it was the seventies, folks. <laughs> it was the seventies. So, anyway, I, like I said, if if you're going for nostalgia, I'd probably give them a nine out of ten. And uh, for not the nostalgia, I would probably go, you know, probably five or six. But you know, you know what you're getting here. It, it's for mm. some people and probably not for others. So, okay. Now, similar to your uh, question. To Adam, with them picking up some interesting ones like I Dream a Genie, Charmed, Facts of Life, and all that, if you could pick a TV show for them to go back and do Migos of, what would it be? See, that's hard because, like, you know, I know some people have gone, oh, we can get, you know, John Luke Picard as a Migo. I don't want to see next gen Migos, right? Because to me, that's not that era of toy. Um, so it would have to be something in the seventies. You know, I, I, um, they didn't do it. LJN did a series of, uh, emergency and SWAT from the TV shows. I'd love to see those. I had the emergency <laughs> ones as a kid. Um, so I would love to see those. Um, hmm. This, this might be a sacrilege to even mention, but what about a, six million dollar man may go i wouldn't be opposed to that um i think didn't didn't biff bang pow do one of those they might have done maybe already uh, yeah the more i think about it, i think it might be i i wouldn't be opposed to that i i would probably buy that if it came out um i i still am flirting with the idea of the action jackson only make mainly because it's something i had um you know that there's some of the like kojak that'd be a cool one um, maybe Baba Black Sheep, you know, do some Marines and that kind of thing. Uh, it, it would even be cool to get, and they could almost do it. Um, a, a Leonard Nimoy in search of figure. I, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> but, you know, it would have to be shows from that era. And th- there were a lot of police dramas, you know, obviously they did Starsky and Hutch, um, and those kind of shows. So, you know, somebody like Kojak or, uh, the Rockford Files. I would be okay with that. That might be a neat one to do. Um, you know, I hope they do more of the, the monster type figures as well. So I don't know. Like I said, it, it, mm-hmm. it fits with the era and that's what I like about it. The, like the cheers ones, they just don't quite fit to that era or charmed. Um, Brady bunch, those kind of make sense to me. You know, I, I could see those even the Charlie's angels. I I'm okay with those. Mm-hmm. I just, the interesting thing for me would be if everyone else that's been doing um, all the Mego-like or Mego-esque um, figures was 
start slowing down their output now that Migo are actually doing Migos again. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think some of the people that have been helping them are people from like Figures Toy Company. So you got to wonder if maybe, maybe behind the scenes, some of those people are connected. You know what I mean? Yep. To it, I, mm. I kind of wonder. Um, because obviously it's a, it's kind of a niche collection and you want to get the top people helping you. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, one thing that the, the picture I sent you guys to a link to, um, there's actually a sticker on the front of it on the package that says, uh, limited to 10,000. So, um, mm. it's like a mirror fluorescent, uh, not fluorescent, but mirrored sparkly little star thing on right above his boots. So I think all of them have that sticker. Cool. So there you go. Very good. Oh, thank you for that, John. And we will take a short break and come back for the wrap up of this episode. Colonel Steve Austin, the $6 million man and the new bionic transport and repair station. The rocket's crashing. We'll put him in the bionic repair station. We can rebuild him. We'll replace the modules in the bionic arm. No injury here. We'll have to check his eye. Bionic eye, A-OK. Six million dollar man, ready for action. New bionic transport and repair station sold separately. The six million dollar man, new from Kenner. Well, this is the time of the show where, you know, uh, Audible kind of shakes their head and said, they've done it again. And you've done it again because you've listened to another couple hours of us ramble on about toys. And, uh, you know, like, like PBS, we like to get paid, uh, to do this. But you know how you can pay us? You can pay us with feedback because that is the thing that all podcasters love and crave, you know, to support your local podcast by sending them feedback. And you can send that to, Adam, where can they send it to? They can send that to podcast at actionfigureblues.com. And, you know, if you do that, you might just hear it read out. And speaking of having things read out, Eddie, you have some feedback. So let us let us hear what it is. I do. So this comes from Bo Pilgrim on Twitter, and he sent us a message saying, listening to episode 328 of Action Figure Blues, and I'm fairly certain Scotty was drunk or super tired during recording. Not the typical quality I'm used to from him. Ha, 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 exclamation point. Uh, Now... Scotty did respond to that saying he was tired and definitely uh, not drunk uh, <laughs> with a smiley face uh, through that, which uh, Scotty has been working hard. But uh, in all my memories of the show, there's only one that I can think of that I know one of the hosts uh, was drunk and it was probably the youngest member uh, of the cast after uh, coming back from a grand final party. So it would almost be the anniversary of it uh, now. And I believe it was the episode we were talking about uh, just areas around the house that we used to use as like play sets and, you know, things that we used to do in the backyard and uh, with the top of Nan's fridge and ones like that. And I had had quite a few beers that day. So it, uh, it's the only case that uh, I know of of us having a drunk host, unless you guys have anything you want to confess to tonight. No, um, I've, I've been on the show after one or two drinks, which is about my limit these days, but not drunk. No. Yeah. I don't know. Some of those early ones. I no. actually, I can guarantee you that I, on this show, 
<laughs> on this show, I've never been drinking. Now, I may have done some guest shots on some other shows that I, I can't guarantee that. Any, because you, you've been popping up a bit on, on any ones you want to plug? Well, where, um, where people, yeah, I was recently on, um, and it's kind of ironic. I was on Nerd Lunch and we did one where they did 99 bucks, where they give you money and you can go, you got a amount of money and then uh, a website assigned to you to go shop on with that amount of money. And one of the things I picked up was because they assigned me a vintage toy, I think it's vintage toy mall.com. Um, they assigned me that. And one of the things I actually said I would pick up because I didn't have one was vintage Spock. So, um, a vintage Miko Spock. So, so there you go. And then I, I've been on fan holes recently too. Actually, it wasn't fan holes. It was board with friends. I think I've been on fan holes too, but, uh, talking with the fan holes guys and the board with friends guys about, uh, Gundam building, you know, uh, uh, gunpla type stuff. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always fun to go on other people's shows because there's no pressure. You know, <laughs> I can <laughs> I, I can just go on and be as goofy as I want to be, and you know, it, it it is what it is. But I I really I'm really always happy. I mean, it it always amazes me when people like Nerd Lunch have me back because it's like, you guys really want me to come back, huh? <laughs> so yeah. it's all, always nice, and I appreciate it. Awesome. But well, guys, any other final thoughts? Nah. Nah. All right. Well, until next time, and hopefully maybe sooner rather than later for me, um, this is John saying good night. Bye. Good journey. Don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. <gasps> Call back. I know. Be good to yourself and to each other. Don't forget to have your pets get their shot, too. Yeah, I got to do that. I should go mm. make, make a note. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mox Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 